Hello and welcome to this episode of Web3 Builders. I'm excited to be here today with Drew Williams from FanFunder. I am Brian Zwerner, the president of We Studio, a nonprofit venture studio supporting Black, Latinx, and women Web3 Builders here in Atlanta. Drew, thanks for being on the show today. Brian, thanks for having me. Excellent, excellent. Well, we met through... Uh, activities here in the Atlanta ecosystem, and then uh, have spent some more time together through the Atlanta Blockchain Center program. And I'm sure we'll get to all that, but let's start with a little bit of background. Tell the, uh, tell the audience here, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you've been working on before getting started with FanFunder. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm Drew, uh, born and raised in Atlanta. Um, went to high school in Paideia, uh, and then went to Clemson, uh, studied uh, English and then marketing there. Um, came back to Atlanta, really started my career kind of early on with a B2C marketing agency uh, focused on consumer retail verticals. So kind of dealing with big clients like Sprite, CVS, Coca-Cola, et cetera. Uh, so really had an opportunity to kind of cut my teeth uh, in that regard uh, in terms of just being able to communicate with uh, consumers, figuring out what different brands and companies are looking for from you know an acquisition standpoint, learning different key metrics, things of that nature. Um, again, I was probably around 21, 22, 23, somewhere around there, so very early. Um, while working there, I was also moonlighting with a few startup ideas that I was tinkering on, uh, one of which was a AI planning dating app. Um, so the idea was that it would uh, sync up with your Google Calendar, so you and a partner. Um, it would look for overlapping availability in your Google Calendar, and then it would recommend things that were happening in your city or within a geography that you stipulated uh, based on just reading kind of local forums and events and stuff like that. Uh, long story short, I was working on that, doing some customer discovery while, again, kind of tinkering with the code, came across an executive that I thought fit my uh, target profile. Um, got into the thick of the customer discovery conversation or interview, um, went great. But then afterwards, he kind of just transparently told me that he didn't think the app was that great. Uh, this guy <laughs> was also working on a uh, startup in an incubator um, here out of Atlanta. And so he basically asked me to come and be the first employee and help him move back there. Uh, and that company was Cobaton. So, so it I didn't get that. you a date, but it got you a job. Exactly. You know, sometimes... The universe works in mysterious ways. Uh, so at that point, I was able to become the first employee of Cobaton. Um, saw everything from you know bringing on the CTO, CEO, CMO, uh, growing from myself to over 150 employees, um, raising a few rounds of funding, acquiring a competitor, etc. Uh, while while there, excuse me, um, I went from marketing manager when I was again at the beginning as employee one to uh, head of growth and marketing. Um, and so, you know, there was a really awesome time. Like I said, I got to see a lot of cool stuff from a company development, you know, go to market, product market fit standpoint. But again, also got a really cool opportunity to hone my skills around growth marketing, uh, conversion, optimization, um, creating products, creating a self-service tier within an enterprise uh, B2B SaaS company, et cetera. So just a myriad of experiences that really prepared me to tackle entrepreneurship. So after seven years at Cobaton um, in June of 2022, pretty much got the itch to pursue entrepreneurship again and um, left there to start working on what I'm working on now called FanFunder full-time. 
That's awesome. Well, if you've already spent that much time as a uh, employee wanted a startup, you know, uh, what, uh, what I believe, which is that it is really hard. There are a lot of challenges and a lot of fortitude is needed to make it to the finish line. T t tell us a little bit about a time either at Cobatron or other where you had to sort of overcome a big obstacle and, and uh, a big accomplishment that came out of the back of that for you. Yeah, I mean, so at a macro level, I'd, I'd say, you know, going zero to one from zero to one as a startup in and of itself um, is not only a massive accomplishment, but, uh, you know, a massive challenge. Um, you know, the CEO of Cobaton and one of my, you know, close friends and dear mentors, Kevin Lee, often says that you should basically tackle goals, goals that are challenging yet attainable. Um, and when you're kind of consistently doing that, you know, at least for me, that's when you're living at your edge. Uh, and so again, that entire experience, I'd say was difficult, wrought with obstacles from, you know, figuring out product market fit to figuring out how to integrate a new uh, or an existing workforce, excuse me, when you acquire a competitor, um, and then integrating the products and figuring out how to go to market with their customers, um, you know, fielding competitive attacks, et cetera. There's a ton of stuff. One thing I guess I could point out that was really interesting to me was based on the way that Cobaton was structured from a usage standpoint, we had, again, a uh, self-service tier um, with like a free trial. And then we obviously had enterprise uh, customers that were heavy users of the product. Um, we had this really crazy issue where in our lowest tier, uh, our call it starter plan for like 50 bucks a month, all of the users would come in and they would test for like a really heavy cycle for only call it one or two weeks out of a quarter, um, and then they would just disappear. Uh, and so the question was, how do you, one, identify what their use case is, and then build um, basically product hooks to incentivize habitual usage in order to both increase their use case, one, but more importantly, just make sure that you're at least reaching their use case. Uh, so that involved a lot of data analysis in terms of, you know, which actions users would take within the first 30 days that led to the longest cohort of usage, et cetera, et cetera. So all that was basically brand new to me. Uh, and having to kind of do that from zero to one, again, kind of on the micro perspective was a huge challenge, but we got that done and uh, were able to boost our self-service conversion and retention considerably as well as usage over time. So. That's awesome. Well, you know, having been that early at something that grew to that many employees, you you got to experience the chief cook and bottle washer problem of being a startup founder and yeah. finding your way to resources and and just kind of picking up the ball and running with it. It's all that's really a lot of fun. And you know, now you're building in the Web three space, so Cobatron wasn't really focused there. What uh, what was your red pill moment? What got you involved in Web three? What got you looking at these types of opportunities? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'd say. Uh, it's a duality of things. So initially, going back to that period of time when I was working at the marketing agency and tinkering on various startup ideas, uh, one that I didn't mention, but that was kind of nearest and dearest to my heart was actually called FanFunder, um, <laughs> incidentally, back then. And at that time, the concept was purely just uh, concert crowdfunding. So, you know, hey, I live in either Atlanta or maybe I live in a city that's not, you know, a major metropolitan area within the United States. Um, I have a favorite artist, but they rarely ever come to my city uh, to play a show. How can I create a Kickstarter of sorts um, <laughs> to bring that artist there? And so again, at that time, this was probably 2012, 13, somewhere around there. So very much embedded within the Web2 analog. Um, right. A lot of barriers just kind of 
no way to really make it happen uh, viably at that time. Fast forward, you know, it's 2020, 2021 around there. I'm paying attention to, you know, the Web3 Twitter space just as a consumer and, you know, crypto enthusiast um, in some regard. And I come across Lee Jin over at Variant Fund. Um, and I see what she's talking about regarding the ownership economy and how essentially Web3 presents an opportunity to flatten the hierarchy of value exchange between consumers and producers. And those producers are, you know, sometimes creators, sometimes they're brands, sometimes they're other consumers, whatever you want to call them. Um, and I found that model really interesting and obviously very much um, relevant to what I was building back then with FanFunder, but in a new world that makes it a lot more tangible, a lot more viable. Uh, through NFTs, crypto, et cetera, and the decentralization of not only ownership, but influence. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say, you know, ultimately, <laughs> I have to thank Legion for helping bring me back to uh, Web3 and the idea of the creator economy um, in conjunction with the ownership economy and figuring out how to basically create a new model for innovative or innovation, excuse me, within culture. Awesome. Well, Legion is one of the the best writers out there covering the space and now has a big crypto fund. So you 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 learned it from a good one in that. That's for darn sure. So let's let's take it forward now. Fan Funder, you started working on it a decade ago, a little bit at least, or thinking about what it would be like. Now you leave Cobatron. You're starting to think about how Web3 can influence the creator economy. How did you come to this idea for Fan Funder? How did you kind of get from there to where you are now? Yeah. So again, the kind of foundation of crowdsourcing a cultural moment existed with the original concept. Um, I think it was refined through, I guess, what you can consider another red pill moment um, of sorts when I came across the analog for Stoner Cats, um, which is a project created by Ashton Kutcher, Mila Kunis, um, Vitalik, and a couple of other people. But the idea essentially was that you could purchase an NFT that gave you influence over the direction of creative content for the lifetime of the show over a few seasons. And you were also only, um, you as an NFT holder, excuse me, were given exclusive access to that show. Um, so gated content by the NFT. Mm -hmm. um, and in that moment, when I saw that, it kind of immediately clicked for me. Again, tying back to the model that I was thinking from my original days and then in conjunction with Legion and the ownership economy, the question became, okay, how can I basically create a model where consumers are requesting um, influencing and owning various products, experiences, whether they be events, you know, or content um, from their favorite creators and brands. Um, and so when you think about it, right, Stoner Cats really helped me articulate the concept of the Web3 model I was looking for, which, you know, I'm you know, kind of calling the hyper ephemeral DAO of sorts, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, so there's kind of like a uh, timeline of progression. And in that timeline, things have gotten more and more instantaneous from a DAO perspective, right? So if you think about like uh, FWB, Friends with Benefits, as kind of like the wave or first wave of original DAOs, um, they're essentially creating community around culture, right? Or a culture-based community. Um, if you join that DAO, you're kind of in it for the long haul, right? Um, you know, there are kind of ephemeral goals, objectives, moments and opportunities for crowdsourcing things um, within that collective. But overall, when you join that DAO, you're, you're in it to ride out, right? Um, then you've got things like Stoner Cats, right? Which is the concept of creator, creating culture-driven content. Um, and so whereby 
you know, FWB, you're in it for life. Stoner Cats, you're really just kind of in it for the life of the show. So maybe that's four years, maybe that's three years, maybe that's eight years, who knows? Uh, maybe they have a Seinfeld run. And it's, hey, the know, Simpsons have been on for 20 something years. So. Exactly. <laughs> that's the hope, right? Um, but again, still within a more uh, ephemeral time container, right? Um, then you've got things like, you know, Pleaser Dow or Tribal, whereby people are coalescing, excuse me, to pull funds together to purchase cultural assets, right? So that's like community driven cultural asset purchasing. Um, an even shorter time frame, right? Because you're basically in that until the asset becomes valuable enough for you to flip it as a collective and everyone has a high enough return on investment, a much shorter time frame. Um, and so what we're building is the hyper-ephemeral DAO where we're basically trying to create moments in culture. And so people are pulling funds together in order to, again, request these experiences from creators and brands that only last in the moment, but have a huge lasting impression as far as like innovation and culture and just mm -hmm. the impact is concerned. So again, you're creating a concert you're creating a new show um, similar to Thundercats, or you're creating a new product line, or maybe the re-release of a capsule collection from a specific designer that you love. But that's happening in a moment. And then after that moment happens, that product is produced, that content is produced, that concert happens, that DAO in theory disbands until the next time their commonalities of interest bring them together to request something from either that same creator or brand or another creator or brand. And and, and how does this get on chain? Why do you choose to put this on chain instead of just on a website like uh, GoFundMe? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think the NFT aspect in regards to making sure that ownership is transferred and being able to actually just digitize that ownership of that cultural moment, right? Because the NFT essentially commemorates the fact that you participated in the petition, which is the mechanism that you request these experiences from. Um, and that NFT in and of itself has value because it also unlocks the access to the requested experience. So if it's a concert, that NFT is tied to a QR code that's um, basically downloadable to your Apple or Google wallet. And then you can show that at the door and that's your ticket to get in. Likewise, that NFT unlocks a voting mechanism that allows you to uh, vote on different creative aspects of the experience. So uh, again, in the event of a concert, that's, you know, who's a guest performer, uh, who's opening the show, maybe what, you know, albums are they playing music from, et cetera. And you see this, uh, you've talked a lot about concerts, musicians, but you see this as much broader uh, than just musicians. How do you give us some examples for some other types of creators or entertainers or experiences that you think could use FanFunder? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, so uh, most definitely application across a variety of industries all related to pop culture, um, like you just said, music. But again, with the fashion concept, let's say that there's a huge brand like Nike and you'd love to see them re-release an Air Jordan colorway from, I don't know, 2005 that you hadn't seen in a really long time. Uh, it's one of my favorite examples. Um, you basically create a petition asking them to re-release that. You would stake some money in the petition and the, the amount of money you stake would be based on a escrow goal determined by Nike in order for them to consider petitions for. Uh, so like if we get to a million in, in, exactly. in there, five million or a hundred mm -hmm. grand, then exactly. there you go. Here comes that old colorway back to the market for those people. Exactly. At that point, a NFT is produced and sent to everyone who signed the petition. That NFT is redeemable for that product, essentially, because the cost to sign the petition would be something like 300 bucks or whatever the cost of the And that 300 be. bucks is kind of escrowed within the smart contract, effectively. Exactly. exactly. Sort of held in, in, in there in order to make sure that Nike knows it's going to get paid. Exactly. Or the so, music artist or whatever it may be. Exactly. So in the event that Nike accepts, all of the money in the escrow is transferred to them in the event of the decline. All the money is transferred back to the petition signers.
Very cool. Yeah, and I can uh, that it definitely feels like something that you know can be done via smart contract, and it, and it remo removes some of the trust issues or concerns about people, you know, getting their money back if it doesn't happen, or the company or the creator getting their money when it does happen. You know, it all becomes codified on the chain, which is awesome. When uh, so, when did you go full time on this? What was the timeline? Where are you at right now? Yeah. So again, I went full time in June of 2022. Um, spent the first few months just really trying to gather my thoughts. Um, you know, really hone in on the go to market strategy. Uh, got an alpha developed, very early alpha developed. Um, released that in either late October or early November. It's kind of hazy at this point now. Um, but we did something with NJQ and Drunken Unicorn here in Atlanta, um, which if you're a local or if you know anything about Atlanta is a pretty um, popular staple from a music venue and just kind of, you know, club slash party atmosphere. Um, and so what we did was a petition for uh, signers to request specific songs from a DJ at a K-pop party at MJQ. Um, and so very small release, but, you know, a lot of good feedback, a lot of wonderful learnings in terms of user experience, um, just kind of value articulation, and just various processes on the back end and, you know, front end. Um, that was awesome. From there, we kind of went, you know, internal again, we're retooling based on the feedback, simultaneously just, you know, talking to investors, establishing partnerships, both from an early adopter, uh, creator and brand perspective, as well as uh, integration partnerships, pipeline partnerships, et cetera. Um, so I've been really busy on the biz dev while simultaneously looking to establish investor relations. Um, historically, uh, development had slowed at that point after that initial alpha release because I am a single founder um, okay. and am not technical. But um, I'd say about 30 to 45 days ago, uh, I figured out a way to start implementing ChatGPT to help me build the full stack application. Um, nice. And so, yeah, that's been a really interesting experience. So going back to that idea of, you know, really challenging um, and kind of obstacle filled, filled experiences. I'd say I'm going through one right now uh, in terms of being, <laughs> I guess you could consider a novice software engineer, um, <laughs> potentially someone with no experience um, and then leveraging AI again to help me write the code, edit, audit, et cetera, optimize all that good stuff. Um, so that's been fun. You know, I think really the key there was learning throughout this experience that you've got to be your own savior um, and that you can waste a lot of time co-founder dating um, and coming across the wrong people, potentially coming across the right people almost instantly if you're lucky. Um, but you've got to kind of figure out, again, what the trade-offs are in terms of where you spend your time. And if you can you know, leverage technology like chat, GPT, AI, or other kind of low-code mechanisms to get another MVP out there as soon as possible, then by all means, that's the best way to go to your point of taking action and you know, getting stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things we definitely talk about as a at We Studio is uh, you know, looking for founders with that bias to action who are gonna, you know, maybe you can't build exactly what you want because of resource constraints, but finding ways to just continue to make progress every day and and finding those tools and and things that you need to just, you know, advance advance the business, keep moving towards your ultimate goal until until you can get those resources to hire the right people and build the right code out. What uh, talking about resources, you know, one of the big, big things we want our audience to know in this, uh, anybody who's watching, who's excited about you and your accomplishments and your story and what you're building at FanFunder, how can the audience help you, Drew? What can they do to, to help you make this dream a reality? 
Great question. I appreciate you asking it. Uh, first and foremost, obviously, any pre-seed or early stage investors that are interested in the intersection of Web3 technology, um, pop culture, uh, creator and ownership economy, definitely reach out. You can find me at drew at fanfunder.com. That's F-A-N-F-U-N-D-R.com. Um, and then any consumers that are interested in maybe checking out the private beta that we're about to release, uh, definitely head over to fanfunder.com and sign up. Um, we're actually about to release a 12 city petition um, globally with Chef Nikki Stewart, uh, who is a celebrity chef for the likes of Dave Chappelle, uh, Diddy, and a few others to name uh, some of her awesome clientele. But essentially what we're doing is a 12 city tour where she's doing um, kind of infusions uh, within food and futurism. Um, and so, you know, we'll be in Los Angeles, New York, Miami, Chicago, uh, Las Vegas, Barcelona, Cape Town, South Africa, uh, and a few other awesome places. So if you're interested in that or know anything about Chef Nikki, feel free to come to our website. And like I said, sign up and uh, we'll be in touch with an invite link. And, and effectively the, uh, the fan funder experience with chef Nikki, and it serves as your, your ticket to come to these events, right? This is, this is your way to pay for the meal and the experience. Yeah, exactly. Great, great question. So essentially the petitions will be, um, for the experience in the specific city. So, you know, the LA petition will be for the experience to happen in LA, so on and so forth. When you sign the petition, you'll essentially pay a dollar amount. Uh, and that petition, again, will net you an NFT, uh, which will act as your ticket to the dinner experience, but also unlock the ability for you to vote on uh, cuisine types, uh, maybe some infusion techniques, et cetera. And so there's a lot of really cool stuff to come. Um, can't wait for you guys to see. Very, very cool. That's excellent. And, uh, you know, as you're thinking about or the audience is thinking about creators, who else are you looking to talk to other than Chef Nikki? What, what other kind of creators would be a good fit for FanFunder? Yeah, so essentially anyone who um, has, an, has an active and engaged fan base um, or is, you know, looking to build that, but has at least a seedling of community. Um, and if you feel like you can grow with that, then definitely check us out. Um, one of our key value propositions to creators and brands is the ability to deepen the connection with community. Um, and so that's something we're looking forward to pushing across the market for sure, various verticals. Excellent. Excellent. Well, look, we'll, uh, we'll put links in the show notes to, for people to be able to get in touch with you and to find that, uh, sign up on the FanFunder website, all that'll be in there as well as links to your socials so that people know where they can catch the rest of this story. A lot of calls to action here for the audience. If you're watching today, you're interested in investing in FanFunder, reach out to Drew. If you want to get participation in some of these surveys, it's easy to do that. Get involved, jump on the website, check that out. Um, and, uh, and if you're a creator with an audience looking to engage that audience, this is going to be an awesome and exciting tool to, for, uh, for people to use and try out. Drew, do we miss anything? We cover everything you need to do here. No, we got it all. I appreciate it, Brian. This has been great. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. And uh, we will have more amazing diverse builders here on this diverse Web3 Builder Series coming to you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Brian.